This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. It's been a big year in technology. When has it not been a big year in technology? Some trends have taken shape in hardware and software, and there's also been a back and forth and some shakeups in mass media and the digital media world. So how will these emerging trends continue into 2023? Well, let's get some perspective with Kevin Shaw. Hey, good morning, Kevin. How are you? Good morning, Dave. Uh, Good to be here. Kevin, there's all kinds of places to begin, but why don't we begin in augmented and virtual reality? And let's begin on the hardware side, where Meta has already put out their new VR headset this year. Apple is expecting to launch some new augmented reality glasses. There are some early adopters to this tech, but how does availability and affordability of hardware play into the VR and AR master plan? Well, it's. I think it's going to be a lot like the rollout of of HDTV or you know the first smartphones, right? Um, you know the co- the initial cost is going to be very high. Um, early adopters are going to to jump on it because it's the latest and greatest thing, and and people are going to um, you know want to take part in that. And as the cost drops, uh, it'll sort of level out, and I think more people will will start to to jump on board, especially as they figure out what, what the device can actually do. Yeah. Along those lines, I know I'm, 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 I'm packaging AR and VR together and I know true tech mm-hmm. heads would be mad at me for doing that, but what are <laughs> some of the use cases that tech companies are imagining for this AR technology? Well, it comes down to informatics and informatics is just a, a fancy way of saying that they want to overlay extra information on top of uh, what's being seen by these uh, these AR cameras? So if you think of you know if you look at a building with uh, you know with these glasses on, it's going to tell you that um, you know this is a store. Here are their hours. These are the types of services, and there's a special on you know blue jeans. Um, you know if it's a person, it'll say hey you know this is so and so from uh, you know you met them at a party you know two years ago. And, you know, I think there's some applications for this in, in things like gaming. Uh, obviously, Pokemon Go, uh, you know, was a huge thing with people, mm-hmm. you know, walking around with their phones in their hands. Now you don't even have to do that. You just, um, you know, walk around with your, your AR glasses on and, and you can play Pokemon Go. Kevin, if my glasses could tell me that I met somebody previously and what their name is, that would solve me all <laughs> kinds of social embarrassment throughout my life. And that may not be specifically accessibility, but I could make a case for being legally blind on my end. That is accessibility. Sure. But, but what, oh, are totally. some, what are some of the prospects for accessibility in the emerging space? Uh, I definitely think that there's, um, there's a huge play in wayfinding and navigation. Um, I think everyone has sort of been sort of poking around this um, sort of killer app to to pull all this stuff together. Um, I actually think Apple is is going to do this because Apple is, um, you know, they they've got stuff on your wrist that can that can you know measure your gait, measure your stride. They have, um, you know, they're mapping park benches, they're mapping trees, they're mapping footpaths. 
So uh, all of this stuff is going to come together in these AR glasses uh, with a level of informatics that, that really hasn't been seen before. I think that's going to be their play next year. You mentioned that, that in some of these spaces, there's room for fun. Now, there's going to be some funding involved in some of these spaces as well. So Facebook, <laughs> a.k.a. Meta, is investing reportedly $200 billion to build its metaverse. To my mind, there really is something there, especially if there is widespread adoption of the tech, whether that be social uh, I can see people like literally gathering in digital space bars as if it's a Zoom call, but it's more like a real-time experience. I can see how workplaces would like this. I can already tell you it's super fun for gaming. I tried my uncle's headset last year and played a boxing game where I was fighting an actual computer. It was like amazing. But huh. in an era of rising interest rates, how risky is the strategy of committing that much cash on a gamble to build something new? Well, I mean, in my opinion, I think I think the metaverse is DOA. Um, you know, a lot of folks have, have reported that the that the graphics are you know sort of 1993, sort of 386 level graphics, and that uh, you know the the experience is not that immersive. Look, I've I've got friends who play, um, <laughs> you know, I've got friends who play uh, you know things like Second Life and you know vintage uh, you know uh, vintage console games. On on web browsers, and they say that the that the um, that the metaverse graphics are worse, but it's a, it's a huge gamble, right? Um, you know, is this going to be something that people are going to use, and are are people ultimately going to build applications for it? That's that's the real question. Mm, yeah, I mean, I know that was something that, that killed some video game systems in the late 90s and early 2000s, like Sega Genesis totally. or Sega. People were like, we're just not going to make games for you anymore. We don't want to make games for you. Yeah. Uh, no, to, to sort of take the premise of my last question about borrowing costs, obviously we just had a press conference with Tiff Macklem a few minutes ago. Once again, interest rates going up in Canada. They went up in Australia yep. yesterday. They're going to go up in the U.S. as well. What impact do you think the increased cost of borrowing might have on some other tech companies? Could this slow some innovation going into the next year? So I, I think that this is sort of a cyclical pattern. We were, I think we were in this pattern about 50 years ago, uh, there were record high interest rates at the end of the 70s. And really the innovation came from, you know, guys like Steve Jobs and, and, and Steve Wozniak tinkering in their garage and, and trying to build something that, you know, the behemoths and the powerhouses like, like IBM and HP couldn't build. Um, you know, they were, they were very much set in their ways. And I, I see that happening now with, with things like Amazon, Facebook, Apple, uh, definitely. You know, they're, they're sort of dripping out these these kind of incremental features. And, and what's really needed here is, you know, uh, some some guys and girls in a garage or, a, you know, a warehouse or a basement somewhere to um, to toy around with something and build something that that's completely new. Yeah, I, I think that's it, that it's going to be coming from a more grassroots perspective rather than necessarily mm -hmm. an initiative from a gargantuan company. I, there, there definitely is, is something there. Kevin, let's let's switch gears here a little bit because you and I have done yeah. a little bit of media criticism together on the show. And yeah. I'd be remiss if we didn't take a moment to talk about the media because it's been an odd year. There have been mergers and acquisitions. A streaming service like CNN Plus was launched and folded within weeks. Netflix stock price cratered. Uh, 
Cattered, cratered. Uh, Disney brought back their old CEO last week, and in general, media consumption continues to be even more scattered. So what do you think of the media landscape heading into 2023, whether that be on the digital side or the linear side? Well, you know, if you bought milk when CNN Plus launched, it was still good when it closed. <laughs> um, so here's what I think. I, I think we're, we're going to see the, 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 the end of an era or the death of an empire as, as one major mainstream media service closes next year and, and shutters. Um, CNN is talking about layoffs next year. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these companies are, are mainstream companies are, are really fighting to attract advertisers because everything has shifted online, and I think we're 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 getting set for the the takeover of online media. Um, you know, the tw- Twitter files has been a huge story, not just to to show that um, you know all of this stuff has been happening at Twitter, which is you know a whole separate conversation. But people are paying attention to what's happening online versus the mainstream uh, mainstream media. And you know the fact that the mainstream media is not doing a lot of coverage on the Twitter files, which are which are fascinating if you ever get to to read them, um, really tells you that there's this big dichotomy between, uh, what's happening in the mainstream versus what's happening in the digital world. Yeah, let's maybe just give people a, a bit of a snippet on what the Twitter files is. It's specifically about the way in which some information about uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story and um, some Richard picks to try and put it uh, yeah. delicately yeah, yeah. <laughs> were either being censored or removed or the process by which those decisions were being made inside Twitter. And that's a content moderation conversation that seems to be yeah. popping up over and over and over again in the social space, that they've become a platform that wasn't ready for that kind of content moderation. And and especially with, with the hand of the government uh, directing a lot of that moderation. I, I think that's going to be the issue here that that people are going to uh, find most disturbing. Speaking of the government and social media, something that I'm keeping an eye on, Kevin, is the future of TikTok. Of course, it's a major player in the in the media in the social media space. Like we cannot dispute that it's become one of the most popular places. But we keep hearing these rumblings about American concerns over the Chinese ownership of the company. Sometimes yeah. I think the way politicians talk about it is more bluster than meaningful, especially because it seems politicians like to use China as a boogeyman anytime there's some major problem. But sure. in a space where social media and geopolitics keep intersecting, I can't help but think there might be some movement on the TikTok front. Do you have a feeling or an inkling of some of the back and forth on TikTok's future? It, it's really interesting because there are other players in the space. Um, obviously, Instagram has Reels. YouTube has launched Shorts. Um, you know, TikTok is, is in this... You know, is TikTok in the space where MySpace was back in 2003? Everybody's jumping on it. Um, you know, it, it seems to it seems to serve sort of one particular purpose. But uh, you know, Elon is talking about bringing back uh, Vine. Um, you know, for Twitter. And you know, is there is there is there a play there for Twitter to get back into the into the short video space? Mm. Um, it's really going to be interesting to see where TikTok goes. I have a I have a sense that that really they're sort of the MySpace of of this decade, and um, as long as something else comes along, whether whether it be Instagram Reels or or Vine, and and something can 
be created that's really viral that's going to uh, you know attract younger younger people. Um, you know, I, I think TikTok's time is limited. Ah, oh, that swiping. TikTok, TikTok. Yeah, that's that swiping model is so convenient though. It's just like so easy just to roll oh, through. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, one last thread to tug at here. You sent me a note about the development of new magnetics or electrics that are loaded mm-hmm. with potential, and I had no idea what you were talking about. So make me a bit smarter. What do these developments have in store? So there, there's a guy I've. Follow online is his name's Cliff High, and he's he's talked about um, sort of this this trend that's coming up with new ways of generating, storing, and transmitting electricity. And and I, you know, because I'm a nerd, I, I follow this stuff online, and I'm starting to see people uh, do things like you know they're, they're pointing lasers at at LEDs and taking electricity out of the back end of the LED as opposed to the other way around. Um, you know, there's a guy out there who's created an antenna to actually pick up um, solar energy instead of using solar panels. And I think that a lot of this sort of tinkering and innovation is going to happen next year where, again, it's going to be, you know, just guys and girls in their basement, um, you know, either somewhere here in North America or somewhere else in the world, probably posting it up on TikTok to say, Hey, look what I can do! I can make uh, electricity by doing this, and um, you know that's really going to kind of shift the paradigm of like using huge power plants and you know wind farms and and solar panels to uh, to generate electricity. I, I think it's a really fascinating space to keep an eye on. Kevin. You joined the party late in the year this year in the Now with Dave Brown world, but we've been grateful for your perspective every time we chat. All the best to you and yours over the holiday season, and we'll uh, chat with you again in 2023. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you very much, sir. That's Kevin Shaw. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.